it was much too unreal to react to in terms of what it really meant. Every night on the internet and all the pamphlets that they had there, we devoured to find out about the disease. It's uncurable, except that you might be uh, qualified for a bone marrow transplant. They um, could take people as old as 75, but that was their limit. Well, I was 75, but in four months I'd be 76. He said, well, we might make an exception, but uh, you might as well take the experimental drug anyway. The doctor implied I would have essentially eight to ten months, but um, it doesn't look good for the long term. There was no real future, and I remember thinking, looking at, going through the closet, looking at some clothes and finding some ski clothes, and realizing I would never need those again. I should just throw away lots and lots of clothing, and that hurt. What saved my attitude was the realization that eight to ten months is a long time. I mean, if I really use it, and Krishna, this is interactive with Lucretia and me, we could really do a lot in eight to ten months in terms of enjoying where we live and what we do. Krishna and I kept saying, I can't believe how lucky we are. I mean, it was a short straw and you don't want to wish cancer on anybody and so life isn't that long anymore, but so I could have been run over by a truck and we wouldn't have had a chance to say anything. And I kept thinking and I keep thinking. It's like dying and then coming back and enjoying life for a little bit when people know you've died and they can tell you what they think. And we've never quite lost that sense of how lucky we are. Very quickly I latched onto an idea which helped me a lot through the first six months. The bone marrow transplant could be a cure. Some people get bone marrow transplants and the leukemia gets, comes back. But 15 or 20 percent survive that way. I just had this idea, I'm going to beat the statistics. And I multiplied them out and I had about a 10 percent chance of survival. That's all I wanted. I mean, that's not all I wanted, but that's enough. That's not zero. Finally, I achieved mission. What was happening at that time was they were looking for a donor for me. You have to have a perfect match or something very close. So the real problem with the bone marrow transplant is that you either die or you survive or you wish you had died. So I decided I, I needed a perfect match. You know, if I have three months left and I'm not in pain, I'll take that three months rather than two years of being in pain and discomfort and wishing I were dead. They couldn't find a perfect match. They tried my siblings, two were too sick by that time. I was 76 and I could tell in my talks with them, you know, they'd say, uh, we do have this age factor so we're not sure. My oldest sister was 81 at the time. We were perfect matches. That sister I've had trouble all my, for well, the last 60 years of my life, I could barely make myself ask her. But I asked her and she responded wonderfully. We were in seventh heaven for two or three weeks. So we started the preparation for the bone marrow transplant. I got a cell phone call and the doctor in charge of plants 
transplant said, I'm afraid we're going to cancel the transplant. We feel as a team that your sister is too old and it might be dangerous for her. Well, okay, I wouldn't have allowed that. And that you're too old and um, we're not going to allow it. Of all the time periods in this diagnosis, that was the lowest. At the beginning, I didn't quite know how to comprehend and deal with it. Then I had this light at the end of the tunnel, and it was um, invigorating just to try for it and to pass all the tests. I kept thinking, I'm going to survive this somehow. And now they were pulling the last rug out from under me. There was no spirit in me. We quickly planned a trip to Seattle. It was a two or three week trip. And I was still in good shape. We had this unbelievably good trip to Seattle. We went mountain climbing. We went hiking. I saw old friends. It's just one of the best trips we'd ever taken. The reason that they found my leukemia in time was because I was going to have a hip replacement. So that required the blood test. From November 2013 to June 2014, the hip became unbearable. In the process, I realized time was short because I was in lots of pain, taking lots of painkillers. And of all the times in this period that were the worst, except for that week of dilemma after they kicked me out of transplant school, I like to say, <laughs> of all the times this was the worst because I was really crippled. There wasn't a life if I didn't get my hip fixed. Couldn't have the hip operation and still be under the chemotherapy. I had to stop the chemotherapy. I had been in remission all this time and so, I mean, I was now into 15 months, you know, and they said, said 8 to 10. But I had to have my hip replaced and so they stopped the chemotherapy. When they stopped the chemotherapy for two months, the leukemia came back. So I just slipped out of remission and it came back with force. I really recovered from the hip operation nicely. My mind was off the long term. I was, I was living day by day. My mind changed in the process and Lucretia's mind too. From feeling we had five or six months to going one step at a time. And I didn't really know often how bad my situation was. There was one time when I was in the hospital because I had a high fever and um, I was very sleepy and I woke up late one night and there were six, two doctors and four nurses in my room and I was tied to all kinds of things and they were mumbling things about whether to send me to intensive care or not, and my blood pressure was unbelievably low, and um, things I couldn't understand. And then they asked whether they should call Lucretia. It was one in the morning. That was unbelievable. I call Lucretia, she's asleep. And for goodness sakes, don't call her. You know, uh, we can fix it, I can tell her in the morning. Then I realized something was wrong. And they did call her, and I did get sent to intensive care. And I came out of it, and nothing happened. But I realize now, 
and there's been one or two other times that I was probably closer to not having much time left. And I realized, you know, if, if I didn't know, um, and Lucretia was there, what a lovely way to go if, if, if that's the situation. We've, we've already had half a year and a half. The doctor said that I had a very special mutation in my leukemia and that very recently they had discovered what I call a wonder drug that was aimed right at this mutation and the early tests were spectacular. There's no cures but for beating back the leukemia. This drug doesn't obliterate or try to obliterate the leukemia. This drug actually transforms the leukemia into a good, a good blood cell. Uh, and it was designed, it's one of these designer drugs, exactly for my mutation. Lucretia and I now have gotten used to thinking there's six months left. And in those six months, we're going to have a life. We don't worry about it anymore. We've been so immersed in our luck and the value of our life. I have the additional problem that happened in the last two months that I have pneumonia, two different kinds. So I spend a lot of time in the hospital trying to get over the pneumonia. There's, there's one sort of thought process that we've been through that we think we know the answer to. How do you want to die? We realized, and I say we because Lucretia and I just talk about these things so we never keep them to ourselves and I think that's a strength. And she is so strong. Lucretia is so strong and we can talk about all of this. And she's, she appears to be so happy with every day we have, we, we just talk about these things and I know she can take it. She's golden. I don't have to worry about her and that's an unbelievable load off my chest. The mental exercise we went through, and it happened when I had to go to the hospital for an emergency. The oncologist was not mine at the hospital said, well, uh, you'll, you'll need to make some decisions quickly. I didn't want life support if that was the rest of my life. But I didn't want them not to save me from a temporary low. It made us both think a lot about um, how we wanted to go. I didn't want to die in the hospital. I wanted to be sure you know, I came home, whether it was hospice or not. Embedded in all this process is, aren't we lucky? You know, it's going on. We can enjoy each other. We can enjoy Lincoln, we can enjoy life, we can enjoy other people. What's to complain? I wish I could say I, I feel myself <laughs> embraced by the good Lord. I don't have a religion, and it's not that. It's the life that Lucretia and I have, and the friends. In the past, I was a little bit too self-sufficient. I always felt I won't need anything. I can do everything for myself. I can take care of myself. And I was wrong. You know, I've been taken care of for the last two years by the hospital, by Lucretia, and, uh, and by other people. And that realization 
uh, has helped me a lot in appreciation of life and what it really is. And of course, uh, you know, I've grown to feel even luckier as days go by, and I've seen more seasons than I thought I would. Uh, Lucretia and I spend lots and lots of time alone, sitting alone in a room in a car, and um, she's always been there, so, you know, we could, we could express what we were thinking. We were always close. It's not that, you know, we almost pulled apart and then we came together again, but it was just making a good relation better and better. And sometimes uh, I realize how little I could have done alone. Um, so that's another part of my luck. It sounds Pollyannish, but uh, it's, it's true. At least I feel it's true, so <laughs> that's the important thing.